2: Well, welcome to Counterculture. It's such a privilege. Every every time we get together, sit around this table with you, Jonathan. So I'm Lisa.
1: And I'm Jonathan. Exactly.
2: I just introduced you, kind of, right?
1: I, I feel honored.
2: <laughs> I just I always look forward to this because, first of all, you never know what's going to emerge. Like, I think the last time we were together, we talked about your socks. Yes. And they were kind of unique. They were unique. edgy. They were edgy. And uh, yes. And then you even sent pictures after the show. Yeah. So I knew it, it I, was legit. I'm not kidding around. You weren't. I,
1: I do not sit on a throne of lies.
2: You don't. You I'm don't. I'm all about the truth. You are. So it was. I was like, okay, he, he, me, he really did. He really yeah. got those socks. So <laughs> if you want to know what those socks look like, you'll have to listen to a, pr- a Last, previous yes podcast with to find Mark
1: out. Lucas our, ge- exactly. our guest, in the past because we
2: we kind of mocked you a little bit about your socks, but then we I were, deserve it. But then Mark was envious. Yeah, which I was like, <laughs> wow, right okay, That's is taking a turn. Okay, so let's get into our show. First of all, I have to ask a question. Um. What I didn't do your... it. It was, it was. A deep, oh, I know deep you always bake. do it. You always did it. But what is your beverage of choice for caffeine?
1: Uh, Somebody asked me
2: that the other day, and I thought that's a good question. That
1: is. Uh, you know, I here's the thing. I am caffeine sensitive, so, so you I don't. No, but I do. I have one cat, like one coffee at like f- five in the morning, four thirty, five in the morning, and that's it. Because if I have any more, you think this is crazy wow just add, amp up the milligrams of caffeine and you you i mean
2: so I'm, this is not you highly caffeinated no,
1: this is not this is low this is low caffeine oh, wow. cuz i i'm just too loco yeah
2: okay. it, it goes
1: and it i mean i could have a a second caffeine at like 10 a.m. and i'll be up i'll feel that at like midnight if i don't if i do it so That's i just have wild. to kind of yeah so i'm yeah what about you
2: well my caffeine of choice is diet dr pepper
1: diet dr pepper i okay. like
2: i can literally put it in my veins and go to sleep yeah. I mean, that's how bad it is, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> so I don't want my doctor to know that I – because every time I go in, Dr. Odarty goes, okay, are you still drinking your diet? And I'm like, well, yes, yes. I'm not going to tell you how many, but yes, I do still drink that day. But yeah, yeah I think it's interesting because we're in, we're in the fall season. Everybody's drinking pumpkin lattes and yeah, you, know, you and don't chides just, and but all you're that just, stuff. You need but, your –
1: so like you like meet a- someone for coffee, will you get like a Dr. Pepper, Diet Dr. Pepper?
2: If I'm not in a coffee shop, If I you're not in a
1: coffee shop, yeah. okay. If I'm in
2: a coffee shop, I get that's my just- vanilla chai or pumpkin spice if it's fall. <laughs> so, anyway. Okay, we digress. But you know what's interesting? We talk about these things, right? Because yes. we have a difference. Like I like this, you yeah. like that, people like that. And there's no contention. There's no judging. There's not, There's no hard feelings. We walk away from the table going, that's cool yeah. that you like that, right? Oh,
1: I- I'll think of something that will make you judge me.
2: I won't. I won't. I've determined, I'll work on it. I, there's, I there's can't no, yet. There's no judging.
1: No, I, no, I feel a I'm no I'm a ju- peacemaker, remember? I'm, I feel the no-judgment zone Okay, good. Table.
2: Okay. Well, so- but then there's other topics that are highly contentious. Oh, really? That we sit around. We, we know this, right? This is the space we live in. <laughs> <laughs> and, and some of these topics, like, they're extreme consequences to people disagreeing. And it mm-hmm. separates families. It separates churches. It divides. It polarizes. And if you you know, if people are not realizing right now, we're in election season,
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: and it's not always good. It's not what? good for families. It's not good for relationships because our opinions on the election does matter.
1: Yes, and they do. it does matter. It affects right. our
2: relationship. It's not like what's your beverage of choice. It's like, oh, it's divisive, right? It's, and so our guest today, super excited. We have Don Henninger in the house today. Who is he co chairs, and I'm going to get this right it's the D- D- Arizona Democracy Resilience Network with his co chair, who is Ron Barber from Tucson. Okay. And it's like the Ron and Don show, you know, when they get together. I've been with him on Could conversation. I, well,
1: I'm, I, I, I sometimes go by John, so Ron, Don.
2: Now I'm left out. Yeah, you. I know.
3: In. I have a feeling you're never left out. Okay. <laughs> no,
2: <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't you're know if that's good or in. bad. <laughs> I love it. Well, I got to tell you a little bit about Don because I we have common friends, Sam and Rachel from an amazing organization over zero. They work with Don and Ron, and they work with. Um, us at Amplify Peace, and they connected. Sam's like, you've got to meet these guys because they're doing this work. We're all in this, you know, area of collaboration with peacemaking, doing our own things, but working together. And he's like, you got to meet, you got to meet them. And so recently, we got connected, and I highly respect. Don Anron and the work they're doing. So, mm. I'm like, you got to come on the show. We got to talk nice. about this.
1: Nice. Looking forward so, to
2: it. So, so I'm just a little bit about Don. He's been a top media executive and business leader in Arizona for over 35 years, Woo. serving in a number of roles at the Phoenix Gazette and the Arizona Republic, okay. including managing editor, and then as publisher CEO of the Phoenix Business Journal. But one of the things I love is his heart for like how do we bridge the divides? How do we have conversations that bring people together that don't isolate And um, I'm excited to talk about this because we're in election season and it's a very hard season. Right. And so one of the things that, you know, they're really trying to do is how do we protect Arizona elections by fighting the falsehoods and encouraging common values. So, Don, welcome to our show.
3: Thanks. It's a privilege to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I was really uh, intently listening to your differences in beverage choices.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, what is your beverage of choice? It's
3: a strong black coffee. Oh, wow. What I liked about the fact was, you know, we used to be able to talk about our political choices the same way you talked about your beverage choices. It was safe ground. You could Mm -hmm. talk about it, not get mad, and just kind of go on about your day, you know, and Mm -hmm. not have to worry about, oh, my gosh, I got to defend my diet Dr. Pepper.
1: (laughs) That's right.
3: Yes. You have to do that these days, which is pretty incredible. And You know, when you look at the election systems, it takes it all to a brand new level in terms of judgmental and dualistic thinking and all the things, you know, that divide us Mm -hmm. rather than unite us. And that's why uh, the work we're doing, I think, is so important. Uh, A little background on who we are. So this is actually a project that was initiated by the Carter Center out of Atlanta. That's the the center that uh, former President Jimmy Carter created decades ago. And for decades, they've been doing work on democracy, resilience issues and saving democracy and starting democracies, democracies across the globe. And in 2020, they looked and said, you know, we've got a little problem right here in our backyard. We better start paying attention to to the state of our democracy right here in our own country. So they started this network, uh, basically a network in four different states. And Arizona is one of them where they thought the, the issues were most prevalent. Georgia, Florida, North Carolina are the other three states for us. And what we've basically done, it's the Ron and Don show. What we've put together is a, a group we're called the Arizona Democracy Resilience Network. And the idea is that we want to do everything we can to preserve safe, fair, and secure elections and make sure the systems and you know, the, the integrity of the system stays true and people have confidence in what their vote's going to be turning out to be.
2: Mm, so good. And you guys are also bringing together faith leaders.
3: We are. So Exactly. Yeah. So we have a network of about 180 business community and, and just folks from across the state. But in that group are about 50 faith leaders. And we've got a separate arm now of faith leaders who uh, who, who we've reached out to because what our, one of our main goals is to get trusted messengers to talk about the safety and security of our election process and to mitigate any kind of potential violence that might be out there because that's kind of lingering around the edges too – and who better to be a messenger than a faith leader mm-hmm. in, their, in, their, in their areas of, uh, of, of concern and their congregations and so forth? And so having 50 leaders to, to put a network of uh, faith leaders together to talk about these issues has been super important for us and really, really good too. Mm. So,
1: so why, why faith leaders? So I wanted to push into that a little bit because I think of – I've been to events where they're reaching out to faith leaders and they usually talk about three things. They talk about pro-life – they talk about school choice and they talk about freedom of religion and so how does you know why are those is there is there anything more that faith leaders should concern themselves about with these issues?
3: Well, absolutely. Well, one, faith leaders, again, we said, said before, who's a better messenger in terms of talking about these issues in, in ways that people can trust mm-hmm. than your faith leader? Absolutely. It puts them in a tough position sometimes because we're also cross, you know, we're non we call ourselves cross-partisan. It's not about Republicans, it's not about Democrats, it's just about Americans and Arizonans, and what are we doing together to have a fair election process? So, for example, uh, we put together a, a statement, the faith leaders put together a statement that we've had as part of this work. It kind of explains why they're in Involved with it. And I'll just read a, a, just a couple of sentences here if it makes sense. It could be some good perspective sure. on what it's like. So, as faith leaders from across Arizona, we come together from different religious and political backgrounds to express our support for safe, fair, and secure elections. With early voting for the November election just days away, we are concerned about the hateful rhetoric and threats against election workers, activists, supporters of the candidates, public officials, and even places of worship. The values of our faith traditions drive our belief in this cause. All of our constitutional freedoms, including our religious freedom, depend on the integrity of our elections, the foundation of our democracy. That's the core value I think the faith leaders see in terms of making sure that our democracy, in fact, is, is solid, secure, safe, and our elections uh, follow that way as well. Mm.
2: Well, and you know, it's inter- I, I so appreciate that you guys are, are reaching the faith community and the faith leaders because, as we've seen... Politics has so entered our churches and been such a divisive. Even you know during COVID, we saw that with masks, right? Sure. Because it, it, even mask represented a political party in some ways, right? You yep. kind of knew how people felt politically by by the wearing of a mask. Yes, and, yeah. and then people you know would have things on their mask, so the mask became then a plat, you know, uh, yeah. a statement, and. So it, it just, and we were having a conversation earlier, and, and you know, my husband, a you know, lead pastor, and anything you say can divide. You, you say this, and then you lose this group of people. You say that, and you lose that group of people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why does that have to be? How, how come we can't agree to disagree and we can hold different opinions? But we've seen if we don't deal with this, if we just try to go, it'll go away. First of all, it doesn't. And then we've seen what happens when the, you're taken to an extreme.
3: I so relate to that. I'm just I'm the senior warden at, at my Episcopal Church, St. Bar- St. Barnabas Episcopal Church in, in Paradise Valley in Scottsdale. Just became senior warden in January, so I, I say that for two reasons. One is that whole mask issue divided the church Mm -hmm. Uh, and and in terms of you know mandatory mask wearing over over all those COVID years we had a lot of hard feelings around that and Mm -hmm. probably lost some members of our church because of that Mm -hmm. you know and then if we didn't have a mask we might have lost some members because of that so there was just kind of no way no way you could really turn that way and talking about politics in church especially in a church that's very diverse and you know there's Republicans and Democrats alike you got to toe a fine line between what you can say or or else you're you know you're, you're upsetting half of your congregation It's kind of curious. This Carter Center work uh, came about because Bishop Jennifer Riddell, the Episcopal Bishop in Arizona, saw that the Carter Center was looking for somebody in Phoenix and sent that email on to our rector, Jim Clark. uh, I had just become his senior warden, so he sent it to me saying, you might know somebody, Don, because you know a lot of people in town. I took one look at that and said, I think I do know somebody. Yeah. <laughs> one thing led to another. So I, when I look at this, it's almost like divine inspiration that I'm doing this work because it came to me
2: that way. For sure. For sure. And so when this came and you saw this and you're like, I might know of someone, myself, um, what What were your first steps? What did you go, okay, this is what I got to do? Because obviously it was kind of like a calling.
3: For a little you. bit, yeah. Well, you know, it. it I've got 35 years in the news business here, so I have a lot of connections, a lot of community connections, particularly when I was publisher of the business paper. Uh, It just got me ingrained in a lot of different organizations, nonprofits, and so I just know a lot of people. And that's that's one of the big things that the Carter Center was looking for in establishing networks is who can they find that, one, has a lot of good community connections and has a reputation in town to help build a network – the other piece was as a journalist of through all these years, I care about the information that we spread to our communities. Information is the backbone of how our communities work together. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there's so much mis and disinformation that surround our election process, it just kind of pained me that way. And I, said, I thought to myself, if there's anything I can do to, to get factual information out there and get our communities more well-informed about what's going on, With essentially the the, the fate of our democracy hanging in the balance, it was you know I just looked at that and said, yeah, I got to do this. I wasn't looking for a job, but uh, it 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 sure found me. Mm -hmm. Mm.
2: Well, and you know part of your thing was talking about fighting falsehoods, right? And I think there's a lot of people that have this opinion, like I don't want to have anything to do with politics, like it's just dirty, nasty, you know, full of falsehood. They look at and I'm going to just step away and not be involved. Right? Can we afford to to do that?
3: No, we can't afford to do that. Obviously, we can't. And we just want to get back to some basic values. So one of the things that we're doing uh, in Arizona, is, and we're doing this across the other states that we're in, too, is we're asking candidates and voters alike just to endorse a basic set of principles that will make sure that our election processes are fair, safe, and secure. And I can tell you what those principles are if you'd like to hear them. Sure, Because it's just basic democratic normal values that we have seen to have lost touch with mm-hmm. uh, through all the rhetoric that's been happening, particularly over the past four or five years. So we're asking people to, to – as a candidate or as a voter, you, we're guide, we want them to be guided by the following principles. The one that they agree that's an honest process, that they cooperate with election officials, adhere to the rules and regulations and refrain from knowingly propagating falsehoods and about the electoral process. That's the first one. The second one is just to run a civil campaign and we're seeing some stresses on that right now with the way the campaigns are being run but Mm -hmm. we want to to encourage a peaceful election atmosphere during the pre-election polling, uh, counting and post-election periods just to keep it all peaceful and and civil civil if you will. The third the principle is for secure voting, to respect the voters' freedom to exercise their lawful rights, to register and vote free from interference, obstruction or any kind of intimidation. And starting to, we're start, starting to see more of that right now in terms of the intimidation factor that's happening around some of our polling places as well. I'm a little bit worried about what might happen November the 8th. Mm-hmm. The fourth principle is for responsible oversight to encourage political parties and others to train poll watchers on the, the election process uh, and, and what's appropriate in terms of roles and behaviors for everybody. And the fifth is trusted outcomes. So once the election's is over, uh, if you've won, you won. If you've lost, concede, accept it. After you've gone through all of your checks and legal remedies to make sure the election was right and, and secure and fair, then at least admit your defeat and move on and let the process work.
2: I think those are great. It's like, you know, those basics, what I learned in kindergarten, right? The I, basics. It's exactly what <laughs> they <be> are. <laughs> Let's be kind. be
3: nice. I know. Is Let's it, share our toys, right? <laughs> it kind of pains me that we even have to do this with those principles so basic like that. But it, you're right, exactly right. Just be nice and be normal. Be, mm-hmm. what, be like we've been for 200 plus years in our democracy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you think people willfully um, propagate lies or do they really believe that, I mean I think people are really convinced like some of these – like our system is corrupt. They're evil. And, and so that it's not so much they feel like they're, they're willfully propagating a lie. We, I might view it that way or someone else might view it that way. But they themselves are thoroughly convinced the dastardliness of the system and, other, and the other party.
3: That's a long list of people. Yeah. Uh, the list of election deniers running for office in Arizona right now, whether it's statewide offices or at the legislature, it's a long list of people who still believe that the 2020 election was fraudulent. Even though there's been no evidence whatsoever to prove, per, per, to prove it. So unfortunately, there's, there are, I think, a core people out there that are convinced of that and no factual evidence or, or lack of factual evidence otherwise is going to you know, make them feel differently about it.
2: Mm-hmm. I like what you're doing because uh, you're, you're showing there's a better way to do this. Yeah. Like we've just been informed in the past four or five years of what can go wrong.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> it,
2: and, and the devastating consequences for everybody. Like nobody's immune from it. It touches us in some ways in our life. But I think a lot of times we see something we're like, but what can I do? And what does it look like to, to change it? And then sometimes people are in that space like, can we change it? So can you address that? Like, do you think, like, because it's been intense the past four or five years. It has. Do you see, obviously, you're you're involved because you believe so. Right. Why do you believe that?
3: i got to believe in the core principle of, of Americans, that they believe in our system. And I think most of them do. Uh, and once you get past the rhetoric and the hateful speech that's out there, I think there's a common value there that we still share. The question becomes, how do we make people realize that it's safe to to feel that way and it's hard to overcome all the rhetoric we see out there. Look at the campaign season now with the, with the way the ads are going and what's happening on social media in terms of what people are saying about the candidates. It's just so volatile out there right now. It's, it's a scary place. It really is when you look at the election processes.
1: Mm-hmm. I wonder if that the, the reason it's so running so hot is that it, we've put politics in such a – like the place it's never meant to be. It's like in the center of our heart and lives. And so, therefore, it becomes part of not just an idea that we may or may not agree with. It's like who we are, and we can't separate ourselves from that. Like that, I'm someone separate than my political party, or I'm, you know, I'm, but I, or I'm something even separate from my ne- my nation or something. I'm big. We're children of God. We we're there's, and we have you know human co- commonality with everyone around the world. Yet we still find ourselves that I'm ultimately no, 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 no. I'm a blank, blankety blank, you know, American.
3: I just wonder when we get over this. Yeah. And at some point, I think we do. That's, that's my optimistic hope on this. And it's why we're doing this work is we just got to stay focused on the fact that our values are sincere and authentic and they work. Mm-hmm. And we will be able to talk to each other about this when it's all over. And, I'm hoping this is sort of a passing, not a fads per se, but a fast passing phenomena that when we get past maybe the next next two election cycles, then we can restore some norma- normal operating procedures and how mm. our elections are run and how candidates treat each other and just take turn down the rhetoric and the volume,
2: yeah. I think that's the whole thing. we got to turn the temperature down. Absolutely. It's way too hot right now. Right. So how do we get at a place that we can have conversations mm-hmm. and we can, you know, create those safe tables, environments where we can like, let's just talk about this. And I'm okay if you don't see the way I do and I'm okay if, you, if I don't see the way, you know, how do we get to that place and go, it's okay. It's okay. It doesn't have to be a war and a fight with that. And I think we've lost perspective with that mm-hmm. a lot. And that's why mm-hmm. we're in this counterculture peacemaking yes. <laughs> and why <while> you're doing <laughs> right. the work you're doing and right. even you're setting the stage for the next election in 2 years and we're we're not too early at all to be all. engaging in that so can you just speak to us a little bit what like you, okay so November 8th is over mm-hmm. what does it look like
3: so then we're going to regroup and say, okay, what happens November eighth? Let's 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 make you know, we're hoping that it's a nice, secure, safe process, no violence and you know, no big disruptions in the process. People accept the results of the of the election one way or the other. Then we're going to regroup and say, okay, how do we set the foundation for the next two years leading into twenty twenty four. That will have even more at stake at that point when it's the next presidential election. Part of that will be continuing to to promote our principles, get more people to sign on to them. And can we, get, we want hundreds and hundreds of people to sign on to these principles. We want hundreds of people in our network that will be trusted messengers about helping us to put the facts out there about what's really happening in our processes, what's really happening in our communities. You know, it's funny because – it's not funny, but it's – it's sad, actually, because some of these doubts go all the way down to the local election races, to down, even down to school board and city council races where mm-hmm. people are starting to wonder, well, maybe I won't be trusting the, the, the results of my election. So when you, when you have these big doubts at the, on the national level, they become doubts all the way down to the very local races at all, in all of our communities and even mm-hmm. school boards. And that's, mm-hmm. that's why we yeah. need to get our hands around this right yeah. way.
1: Mm. So one more question. And what, when you think of your faith – And why you're motivated to do what what are some truths in your faith that you appeal to in order to help advance what you're trying to do?
3: Well, we mentioned some of that before: honesty, uh, being non-judgmental, accepting people for who they are, accepting and respecting what people think, their opinions, and being open and honest with each other. So it's just basic principles. I mean, if you follow what Jesus said, just it's, it's, you know, you, you can take the steps that He outlined for all of us, and it's all kind of the core of our system and the core of who we are as people. I think, and no matter what religion you might be, I mean, those are those are some basic values that I think we all can share.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, we've forgotten what it's like to be human.
1: <laughs> That's what right. we have, you know,
2: and to treat each other yeah. as a fellow human being.
3: Golden rule. Mm-hmm. You no, know, it's not that. It's not that complicated. Right. You we know, Just we got to remember to do it and to respect people, people for it. And then when we see good things like that happening, to recognize them and applaud that too, and right. and, and encourage more people to act like that.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Can you address a little bit where fear comes in with all of this? Because, it, uh, for a lot of people. It's like if my candidate loses, the fear of, oh my gosh, my life is going to go. All these things are going to happen that are going to go again. You know, I think there's a lot of fear. Yes. In losing, how do we how do we reframe that?
3: The only way you can reframe it is to continue to put facts out there to explain what's going mm-hmm. on. I think it's more of the fear of the unknown of what's going to happen, and you know, in, in, in many cases, probably nothing. Um, but it's the fear of the unknown. What's out there, That, that these processes that have been true and, and true to our value system for all these years now are being thrown into doubt. People are questioning whether our election processes are fair, what's coming behind that. You know. So we just have to get back to good, trusted values, that, the way we've led our lives and led our communities for all these years and get back to that. Mm. I think that's the only way to really to, to overcome the fear that's out there. It's the fear of the unknown. It
2: mm-hmm. really is. It's, it's coming feared- tomorrow controls so much of all mm-hmm. of this narrative. It's, it's kind of the underlying root issue of yes. fear of losing, yeah. right?
1: Losing control, losing our, our way. Yes, and what is Freedom. that going to do
2: to my lifestyle? What am right. I going to lose in, in my life right. as mm-hmm. a result?
3: And most of the time, those fears, the answer is not much. Mm-hmm. You know, There may be things that happen differently, but you're, you know, you're, you're, your life is going to be fine. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you don't like who won this, this election cycle, well, then vote the next one. Yeah, and vote, vote your candidate, and then, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, uh, at, as we're winding down, how how can our listeners connect to the work you're doing?
3: Love for them just to get in touch with me. It, I can give you an email address if that works. It's don.henninger, Henninger, at cartercenter.org. Nice. Email me, anytime. and we're going to have it. We're going to have it so, on the website too.
2: Yeah. Oh, good, great. The radio, Thank yeah. You.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah.
2: Where they can reach you. Yeah. And that'd be okay, great. and so. After no- November 8th, how can they tune into the work you're doing? We know you have a podcast. We know you guys are content- you're going to be putting these things out here to cause people to think differently. Right. Let's make it easy for them.
3: We're going to continue to grow the network, so we're recruiting people. Anybody wants to join our network, anybody is welcome. We'll, we'll keep building that roster, and we'll be communicating with our network on a regular basis, and that way we'll be able to keep people together with what we're doing.
1: Thank you so much for being on our show. really appreciate you, and uh, this has been a great conversation.
3: Love it. Thank yeah, you. And tell Ron.
2: You. Thank you. Oh, He's I, with I, us in spirit, right? Down Ron, in Ron, doing his Ron is with us in spirit for exactly. sure. Exactly. <laughs> but okay. you guys doing doing amazing work. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you for the privilege. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Amplify Peace, educating, immersing, training, and launching peacemakers to build united communities.